Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. What's up, everybody? This is John. And I'm Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. come to this here we here we are welcome back everybody yes we're here for the fourth the penultimate oh, oh my shit. god we've it's made one it one of to our the, favorite words it's the penultimate episode of our uh, breakdown of the rock that's right if you haven't ever seen this movie what rock have you been oh, hiding under shit um you it's trash. awesome stuff i want to talk for a minute about alcatraz just because it's like i feel like it's a character in the film Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, it's the title character. <laughs> like, the fact that they actually went and shot it there is just awesome. Yeah. It's one of those landmarks that I think that that most people just know. They know something about it, even if they don't know a lot yeah. about it. It's that kind of, It's sort of like the Statue of Liberty just on the other side of the So country. the name the name derives from the name that the Spanish explorers gave it, which translated to Island of the Pelicans. Okay. Um, the U.S. government built on the island starting in the 1850s they built a fort and a lighthouse okay and what i had seen on this little documentary was that the fort was built because there was so much gold in san francisco at the time that they were like worried about pirates basically <laughs> like trying to come in and rob the city that which makes is kind sense. of yeah. fucking amazing yeah um so then the the fort was torn down a cell house a prison was built on top of the old fort and but it was like a military prison where okay. after the Civil War, they kept, like, military and political-type prisoners, like people who were, whatever, sympathetic to the Confederacy. Right. Or people who were said good things about Lincoln, like, getting killed and stuff would be kept there. Lock them up. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> then in the early 1900s, they built the present-day prison, as we know it. In 1933, they sort of closed it as a military prison. Okay. And brought, like, they reopened it the next year as a federal penitentiary. Okay. For, like, the most hardened criminals in the country. The like, Capones of the world. The Machine Gun Kellys and whoever right. else. There were 14 escape attempts made by 36 total prisoners. <laughs> Five of those people were never accounted for. Okay. They think that maybe three of them successfully escaped in 62 yeah those are the ones you see on the unsolved mysteries with the paper mache heads yeah and, and the, the hair that they'd save from the, the barbershop Eastwood movie escape from alcatraz right. told that story um so the next year the prison was closed uh, mainly because it was such an expensive facility to maintain yeah because they had to like take food and water and like everything had to be taken out there on a boat or whatever and it was completely i think being run off generators and whatever else so yeah they shut that down 
interestingly, Native Americans like had staged many protests there. Like they would occupy the island in the late 60s and early 70s. One time there was a group that was there for over 19 months. Like what were they protesting? The bad treatment of Native American people. Um, because I think the first feat to set foot on the island would have been Native people. Right. And that I think makes they sense. viewed it as like a... I was wondering if it had some historical or sacred significance to whatever the I indigenous people of the so, area. I don't think so, other than that it was, you know, land that had previously been inhabited by natives and was then just claimed and taken by like the government. Like every other piece of land. Basically. <laughs> so in 1972, uh, Alcatraz was absorbed into the Golden Gate Recreation Area okay, as part yeah. of the Park Service. Been there, love it. Uh, it opened for tours starting in 1973. The Rock Tourist Attraction. The first year they had 50,000 tourists come, which historians estimated was more people than had set foot on the island in the entire history of that's, the world until that's then. That's cool. That's awesome. That's kind of awesome, yeah, right? Yeah, very cool. Um, but yeah, I just think it's like, I have you been there? I have not been because in the months that I was in San Francisco when I was still doing the opera thing, um, for those of you who are new listeners, I used to do an opera thing, <laughs> sing a song every now and again. He's good. And, and was out in San Francisco for a while. And before I departed for the three months that I was going to be out there, like looked up, I, I was told, look up um, reservations because yeah. it fills up quickly. And by the time I even looked, which was two or three weeks before leaving to go out there, it was already booked for three mm. months in advance. I did. I've been to San Francisco one time, did go to Alcatraz and it's kind of awesome out there. I mean, it's, but it is just cold yeah. and windy and like it's, and San Francisco is the most mind boggling yeah. place as far as weather is concerned. That is literally my favorite city though. Like yeah. I love the cold and I love the wind and the, the scenery and all that the I, history. I need to go back in an unprofessional, non-professional capacity and enjoy it a little more. I sort of a sort of wound up a little tight while I was Were out you? there. <laughs> yeah, just worried about career and stuff. The cutthroat world of professional opera. So, Not to be sneered at. I think it was more or less like at the behest of Bruckheimer and um Simpson that they got the green light to like spend the money, you know, to shoot on the island. Yeah. Cause at that time those two were like had just an amazing run of hits. But I'm trying to go out. through like mentally the parts of the movie where you can tell that it's a prison. Did it lend any authenticity to the movie as a viewer? Um like, like the outdoor shots, that's one thing. Yeah. But like the any of the indoor shots. I feel like to me, the only bits that really felt like, yes, that's definitely on the island were the bits where the people were in cells. Yeah. Because I think the shower room, I'm sure, was a set. Which is know, a beautiful room. All, like, the subterranean <laughs> stuff, I'm sure, was a set. That was in Temple of Doom. <laughs> all the subterranean <laughs> stuff was shot at um, Pinecott Palace. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. It was just, like, but I will say that the actors all raved about like how great it was to be there because it was like they felt like it really added to the like i think it was that harris said it felt like a real like you were on a mission it felt like that's awesome. as opposed to you know you're in your you're in your trailer and then right. you go to your you go to your the set probably helpful as an actor yeah yeah is it true you know a little more about this from having gotten into the nitty-gritty on the uh on the blu-ray the special edition guy okay. is it true that they built sean connery a cabin on the island 
so he wouldn't have to commute back and forth to San Francisco. That's true. That's fucking sweet. Yeah, I would love to have lived in that cabin. Same. I'd I wake up every now. morning and like it's you know the whole city is laid out. Uh, I bet that was stunning. And he yeah. probably yeah he knew it was up. God rest you, sir, Sean, you genius. Would you like to spend a night in a cell? If I got to in bring, Alcatraz, if I got to bring shit with me, like well, a what toothbrush, if you got a, a book, a, a book and a lantern. Fine. Yeah. That would be, be kind of cool. If I, got, if I got to bring a lantern, a bottle of wine, <laughs> that'd be fun as yeah. shit, I think. I think it'd be awesome. And if as long as they don't put someone that you can see in the cell across from you, because I don't want to see that shit. You don't want to see someone staring at you? Oh, you're yeah, using the bathroom? Yeah, like what if they're like, oh, well, no, like what if they're like <laughs> looking over at me, you're like being weird. <laughs> well, you gotta, you're behind bars, you're safe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I'll try to catch up on this plot, because it's kind of yeah, buck wild. It's, yeah, it's, it's, um, so this was like Michael Bay's, Second big thing after yeah. he'd been directing music videos for about a decade or so. Accurate. So, um, and this is starring Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, Sean Connery, God rest him, and a slew of other of your favorites of uh, of '90s action lore. So yeah, Kevin's gonna get us caught up on like, yeah. how have we come to this? The broadest of strokes are that uh, a. A team of like renegade marines have seized control of Alcatraz Island, uh, led by General Hummel, played by Ed Harris, an amazing performance. Uh, they basically want money from the U.S. government to pay to the families of fallen soldiers whose memories were were sort of abandoned. They were never even buried. Yeah, not too much to ask. So now. Our heroes, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage, have been brought in. Connery is a former Alcatraz uh, prisoner who escaped and knows the inner workings of the prison. Uh, Goodspeed slash Nicolas Cage is like a weapons expert who knows how to defuse the nerve gas rockets. They're teamed up with a bunch of Navy SEALs to infiltrate the island. Right. Um, The plan quickly goes to shit. All the Navy SEALs get killed. Every one of them. Yeah, so we're just left with uh, Connery and Cage. Uh, I guess I should say Goodspeed and Mason yeah. are on their own. But, you know, we got a retired commando and a chemical weapons expert. So maybe we're able to uh, have hope that they maybe could we can actually pull this thing off after all. Do this thing, yeah. But first, Goodspeed needs to convince Mason, who's like, fuck this, I'm out of here, who's trying to leave. Yeah. And and the uh, the FBI goons are trying to, like, convince Goodspeed to, like, hey, you need to convince uh, Mason to stay. Yeah, they're like, you got a gun, strong arm him. So the action picks up back at the FBI mobile base where Paxton, played by William Forsythe, tells Womack, Leo from, <laughs> from West Wing, <laughs> yeah. hey... I need to know who John Mason is. So Womack fills him in. He says, back in the 60s, then FBI director slash sometimes cross-dresser <laughs> J. Yeah. Edgar Hoover had files of dirt on all the prominent people in the U.S. and the also world. all over the world. Like, he had dirt on everyone. You gotta love this shit. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Paxton says, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of all the cloak and dagger shit. True. But apparently Mason was a British spy who stole the files on everyone. So I love that he's essentially was James Bond. Yeah, he was James Bond. <laughs> That's it's awesome. fucking awesome. So U.S. agents apparently caught up with him trying to leave the country at the Canadian border. The Brits naturally said, 
we don't we don't have any idea who this chap is, Gov. <laughs> no idea at all. Yep. And the U.S. government held him without trial for all those years for because decades, he wouldn't give them the years. goods. So Paxson says, and we all agree, Mason's got a right to be pissed. Yeah. Womack says that Mason knows all the country's secrets and couldn't be set free at the time. He knows aliens in Roswell, JFK's assassination. It's it, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> the shit has taken a turn. Yeah. Like, what was the... If you walked into this movie in 96, you did not expect there to be a reference to aliens no, made in the film. When was, that's Independence, when was Independence Day? Day? Yeah. It was 96. Yeah, that's a different movie. Um, the this, world, the world has gone has gone farther afield. I think is. I I love that shit. Like I that just too. makes your jaw drop. I do and too. You're like, oh hell yes, I'm here yeah, for but, it. But Womack says right now, Mason's angry. He's lethal. He's a trained killer, and he is the only hope that we have got. <laughs> so back in the bowels of Alcatraz, Goodspeed trying to convince Mason to help. He draws down on Mason. Okay, FBI, free sucker. I love that free sucker. And it's just like he's just trying to say the things that he knows he's supposed to say in Honestly, Academy. to hear someone say with that intensity, free sucker, I like, love that shit, dude. <laughs> it's much more interesting than hearing someone you know say freeze asshole or something like that. Free sucker! Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm into it too. Just <laughs> I because, dug it. Because Nick Cage is so into it. He's an interesting, interesting actor. Yeah, he is. So Mason turns around and he's like, he knows that Stanley's not going to fire. He says, like, even though it's like, throw down! Mason, he does take this. He takes the gun. He just Ma- takes his Mason gun. Mason tells tells Stanley. He's like, "You don't have it in you." And besides, the safety's on. And this yeah. distracts him long enough to like take the gun because uh-huh. like Stanley's like looking at the gun to see. Is it at that moment that like uh, they, they radio back, back in? And they're radio. like, "Hey, like, what's the, what's the situation?" He's like, he's "Well, it's not, now, it's not going sir. great. He's got all the guns now." So anyway, <laughs> Goodspeed tells Mason that he may not be a killer, but he is a chemical weapons specialist. Yeah, which gets Mason's attention finally. Stanley tells him that there are rockets armed with some really funky stuff. <laughs> some really funky stuff, and they're pointed at San Francisco, <laughs> but that he can disarm them. At this point, Mason, which we understand, is pissed at that lying Womack and says that they could have warned him about this so he could warn his daughter. Yep. So Goodspeed tells him that they couldn't because it was classified and also points out that this, like, he's in the same situation because his pregnant girlfriend is in San Francisco. Yeah. Everyone's fucked. Um, Goodspeed assures him that he can disable the rockets with his help. And we get that awesome shot of, like, uplighting, like, Mason looking up and like thinking about it. You get to see every like nook and cranny of yeah. Connery's face. Yeah, I love it. I think it's uh, that's that's such uh, a amazing good photography, legendary face. Yeah. yeah. Um, back below the shower room, the baddies have discovered that Shepard, uh, his radio and weapons are gone, and they figure there must still be some good guys out there alive. Accurate. So Hummel instructs his men to search the tunnels. Back to Goodspeed and Mason. He's still trying to. Con- this goes on for some times, like. I feel like it's sort of lazy writing, but Goodspeed's trying to convince Mason that he needs to stay and have him lead him to the morgue. It is like, what is what what better thing does Mason have to do other than try to help? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to get out of here and then I'm going to be stuck in San Francisco, who's, which is in danger, or I guess he'd yeah. try to flee the city. Exactly. I'm going to die either way. And it's, I mean, it's not a bad point that Stanley has, but anyway, yeah. upstairs, baddies overhear the conversation. Uh, we see Uncle Tuco toss a bomb <laughs> down this grate on them. Uh, Mason yells, Moo! 
move in slow mode. They run for it and are nearly killed by a massive fireball. Um, it's at this point they they sort of resurface, and Hummel's like basically rain fire down on them, hit them again, burn them yeah, out. Yeah, it's even a bigger bomb. Yeah. So we see uh, another guy drop another bomb, a bigger bomb. We we uh, surmise down on them. I don't like the look on Nick Cage's face when he sorts like he sort of hears the bomb going off in the background. It's like this look it. of him going like, like sort of squinting his <laughs> eyes, like what's that fireball sound? It's dumb to me. Anyway, uh, the explosion causes a loss of radio communications with the FBI mobile command. There's that amazing, like, the underwater shot, you know, yeah. of them looking up and the fireball is above them. It's like the True yeah. Lies shot of, yeah, exactly. uh, of Schwarzenegger. Exactly. Uh, it's uh, at this point after they've resurfaced that Mason sort of begrudgingly goes along with helping to lead Goodspeed to the morgue. He, I guess he's <laughs> sort of tired of almost being killed several times in yeah. a couple of minutes. Um, no one knows what the weird room is that they're standing in with the cages and hooks and chains and shit. Yeah, it's, it's like a mining setup. It's like it's like one of the first times <laughs> in the near going where we'll ask, where are they supposed to be? <laughs> where are they right now? <laughs> where in Alcatraz are they? <laughs> so as they leave the tunnels, Mason hands Stanley a gun and asks if he's ready. Stanley says he'll do his best. And we get <laughs> and we get maybe my favorite. This like, is definitely your favorite. Yeah, you it's like, say it all the time. Yeah. He gets the the prom queen prep talk where Stanley says, I'll do my best. And Mason says, your best. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Because <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, Carla was the prom queen. He's like, really? really? He's like, yeah. <laughs> like a child. Really? <laughs> it was like nice. Stanley Cox's it's gun. It's so good. It's, it's some of the most <laughs> memorable dialogue in the movie. I don't know why, but it's good stuff. Um, anyway, they enter the morgue where they take out a couple of baddies. Dude, Mason's got the goods. Oh, uh, he's like, like whips he's, that knife immediately. He's, yeah, he's you got must, like, he's you must not never just big hesitate. talk. <laughs> like, yeah, he says, you must never hesitate. So he whips the knife, the knife in one dude's throat. Stanley tells Mason after the firefight starts that he can't shoot too close to the rocket. And this oh, is yeah. like the pervasive theme of the scene. Um, we've seen Mason kick out a drawer in the desk, and there's there's a moment like a la kick Die out. Hard and also like Point Break, where you just like shoot at someone's oh, feet. Foot? Oh. Yeah, you like like Man. lay into someone in their feet and like sh- uh, cut him down. And as the guy who he just shot down in the feet, it's like on the ground, he starts to pull out a grenade. Yeah, and then it's at that point that Mason looks up and sees some like what like is an it? Air conditioner like, yeah, or I thought so. So too is like an industrial air conditioner. I guess that's if that's the morgue, they try to keep it extra cold in there. So that, maybe that makes is what sense. It is. So he shoots at the chain suspending the air conditioner. It falls and lands oh, on the guy's head while he's screaming. Brutal. That's gruesome. Right. That was that thing landed with some weight. With you know? some gravitas, <laughs> literally. So we, we see the dead bodies. Uh, Foot still twitching. Yeah. Cage. Oh, yeah. Okay. That That's normal? just about the most awful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Is that normal? He's like, yeah, it happens. I used to a lot of corpses. Is that normal? So all the stuff with the corpse is funny. So, like, yeah, he starts to remove the chemicals from the rocket and tells Mason, the second you don't respect, respect this, this kills you. So this is the first time that, like, Mason's really clued into the fact that something's up other than just, like, rockets on an island. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did he not know before anything about I think about that the... he knew that there were chemicals, but he didn't know what the stakes were. Now, in this moment, like, Goodspeed showed some real balls. Yeah. Like, 
when he's yeah he's yelling at Mason about it. He's sort of stressed out, which you could kind of understand. Um, he's talking about he's got like I'm a boring life. I've got a boring life. You know, I drive a Volvo, a beige one. Yeah. Uh, he's like, but this is the most dangerous stuff yeah. on the planet. He's like, he removes he removes. He's like, the, so cut me some freaking slack. Yeah, he, it's awesome. He removes the pearls of VX gas out of the thing. He's like elegant but unstable. Um, from the rocket and uh-huh. says that the rocket could kill an entire city full of people. And then he gives Mason the rundown on the effects of the gas as he yeah. hands the strand to Mason, which is that's some great direction. It's like, here, hold this. that could wipe out an entire population of yeah. people. He says it stops the brain from sending uh, nerve messages down the spinal cord an epidermal exposure, exposure inhalation, and you'll know. Twinge at the small of your back as the poison seizes your nervous system. Your muscles freeze and you can't breathe. You spasm so hard you break your own back, and you spit your guts out. But that's only after your skin melts off. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I love Sean Connery's face. He's like, God, like, like shit. Jesus Christ, like, fuck. He's like, like holding it as far away from himself as he can. Yeah, like, understandably shocked. There's also, like, um... Cage's performance is this great mixture yeah. of like he's fear of the VX, but he's also and, fascinated yeah, by it. Like wonder almost. He's like geeking out all, almost over. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And I, I mentioned in a previous episode that Cage referenced uh, Richard Dreyfuss's performance in Jaws or right. his character yes, in Jaws, yeah. Hooper, as like an inspiration to him. And this scene is he referenced this scene in particular as being like the autopsy scene in Jaws, yes. where he's like looking at the body and it's gruesome and all this, but he's like, just fascinating. Like, I can't believe I'm seeing this and like, and barking out orders. Like do not smoke in here. And like, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah. When you, when he points that out, I can definitely see the parallels between the performances and the scenes. Absolutely. When you have something like that as an inspiration, why not go for it? He's like, he can't hide his excitement. I think about like, Oh, I never thought I'd see VX gas in real life. Like this is incredible. Absolutely. So we also see that Stanley, in addition to the pearls of VX gas, is removing the guidance system chips from the rockets so that they will splash down after 500 feet. Um, Elsewhere, Hummel realizes there's a problem when the morgue team, who Mason and Stanley have just dispatched, uh, don't answer their radio calls. He calls for his men to go converge on the morgue. Mason and Stanley hear the call. No, they're out of time. Stanley <laughs> lets us all know that there are three more rockets somewhere in the prison and that they Thank need to you. find them. Yeah. He did those 12 really fast. Well, I, I, I mean, there must have been a big he, time lapse. There, well, yeah, and there, like he opened that one more drawer, and I think there were two more rockets in there, but those those drawers must have been full of rockets. Which, yeah. Well, they weren't in the rockets. I think it was just the yeah, canisters. Yeah, just, just the canisters. Yeah. But, like, that's... That's like a big no-no, right? To store all of your weapons in one place. Maybe you need them the for tactics, the temperature. But yeah, I think that they were storing them. They needed to keep them cold. Maybe it makes them more stable. I maybe, don't really know maybe why. So. so just as he finishes disarming the rockets, Hummel's goons arrive. Um, the pair, uh, Mason and Stanley, dive down a chute a la Big Trouble in Little China yes. uh, that dumps them out into a cart or onto tracks hope, a la Temple of Doom. Star. Yes, exactly. Uh, onto tracks a la Temple of Doom. The cart that they land in immediately begins to roll down the tracks. What, like, what even is happening right now? What is, like, where are again, they? Where are they? Is How what does I read. this exist in the Mason, I'm Africa. too old for this. Thank you, Lethal Weapon. <laughs> it's like Stanley asks, where are these tracks going? Mason's like, I don't, I don't know. know. Like, 
So, no one knows. So back they in the shouldn't even be there. No. <laughs> so back in the morgue, Hummel is informed that all the guidance chips have been removed from the rockets. He gets in Hendrix's face, John I C. Love McGinley. That moment. And he's like, "They're two dead men who suggest that you figure this shit out, basically." And he's like, "Yes, sir." Yes, sir. Oh, he, I love like, that. He, he freaks out, out yeah. big time. So he, I love that. So shit. he and two guys just jump down the tracks. They don't he know takes, what's down uh, there. I think Rojas and and other anonymous and whoever, dude. Rojas and another man down the chute after Mason and Goodspeed. What I want to know is: is there another cart down there to catch them? Or are they just going to land on the tracks? They, well, landing on the tracks isn't probably a whole lot more painful than landing in that Do you cart. Think they must have been, they must be like sliding at an angle though. We assume because they're yeah, not falling otherwise straight you just, down, like, break your leg or like, your neck, drop 90 feet and die. All right. Um, so what, what is, what is this? So we talked about this. Like, it seems like a mine. Are they in a mine? But wh- how? Why was, would there be a was, mine there? Was Alcatraz the fort, the Civil War fort, quarried from the island? And if I, that's the case, I wouldn't like, have thought so. But that's almost the only thing that makes sense. But then again, also there's a shoot from the morgue. That's what I was thinking. Is it, is it laundry? Bodies? Is it laundry? Is it a, is it the morgue shaft? Is it could be like? But do you think you just dump a body down a hole and then you? Why wouldn't it? Why? How many people were dying on they a given day that they needed to have a shoot? Right? Yeah, they could have just yeah. Or they you take them back to the mainland. Off. Yeah, you don't need to do all this. This is too much. Uh, I have no idea what's going on, but dun, you don't da, da, really. Da, 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 it's full on. Yeah, you were in the we're in the bells of Pinkhop Palace. Kalima's Kalima Shakti Day. Some shit's going on. Uh, Michael Bay said, well, this was supposed to be the... We wound up with this cheesy minecar, Chase. It's supposed to be the the suspended minecars, which would have been much cooler. And I'm like, it might have been more visually interesting, but it would not have been any less outlandish. What what planet are they? It feels like it's in Total Recall or something else. Yeah, we're like like on the, the, what, yeah, the mines of Mars. Yeah, or Moria or wherever the fuck. (laughs) So anyway... um, Mason the Balrog and Go- is down there somewhere. <laughs> Swords will not do you any good here. <laughs> Fly, you fools! So anyway, Mason and Goodspeed are barreling down the tracks with no idea where they're going. As they reach the end of the tracks, the rope snaps tight. Thank the- God there was a rope tied to it that was no the exact right why. length. The cart is left dangling over a chasm. Goodspeed had had the sense to dive off the cart and is hanging from What is some- even happening? There's like another series of little bucket like what was the bucket from rails. what is the bucket that they're in supposed to do with the bucket that was hanging in was it supposed to stop and dump into you, that bucket you take that body from the cart and you put it into that other next thing? there's there's it a whole there's a whole system of bucket dumping that we don't know how it works <laughs> anyway mason meanwhile he's got his foot caught in the ropes attached to the cart that they he were just on dumb luck and no one knows what they're doing. Stanley sees the Marines coming and says, they're coming. And Mason's like, where? And we just see Stanley's <laughs> hand like pointing off over there. Yeah. So we see Hendrix, John C. McGinley and his crew coming, stalking down the track. They split up. For whatever reason. Yeah. Mason gets free of the ropes and he's hiding underneath the dead end of the tracks. Hendrix, John C. McGinley starts shooting at the bucket that Goodspeed is in. And yeah, that makes sense. And underneath, like, Mason sort of, like, finagled his way over, like, with 60-something, 70-something man-year-old strength. <laughs> yeah, the old man strength. And, like, squirting the little kerosene bottle on John C. McGinley's legs and, like, lights him on fire, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it is pretty badass. Um, Hendrix is, like, freaking out, 
falls off the tracks, but like grabs onto the cart. And then there's this struggle between he and, and Mason. Yeah. And Mason like pulls his knife. Oh, he pulls the knife out of uh, Hendrix's vest, belt, right? Or vest, vest or belt. Yeah. yeah. And like starts to cut the rope that's holding him there. And then you wouldn't think it because it's not that far a fall, but Hendrix falls attached to somehow He's the like cart. clinging to the cart. And, yeah. and it's like, 15, 20 feet below, he hits the water. Which extinguishes the fire. My, my only, <laughs> my only uh, assumption is that the cart crushed him somehow. There was, you can tell me if this changes your opinion. On the commentary, they said that the way that scene initially played out was that Mason pulls the knife out of Hendrix's like, vest and stabs Hendrix with it. Like stabs it through his hand and pins his hand to the cart. Yeah. And then pulls out another knife and cuts the rope. So maybe if he was physically suffocated. stuck to the cart, then he would drown. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think it worked fine the way it is. Like, if it, nothing else, that dude's not coming back to fight anymore. The only thing that I can think of is that the cart fell with him under it and it crushed it. He could have gotten caught under the, pinned under it, the cart and drowned. Yeah. I'll um, go with that. Either way, we saw John C. McGinley die too soon. He is amazing, and it is a shame to see him go. Yeah, he was such a... I would rather see, have seen him in, like, the Fry or Darrow role, but anyway. <laughs> um, Rojas, Uncle Tuco, and the other guy pop out from another passageway and start shooting at good speed. <laughs> I love Ro- Ross tosses a grenade into to Goodspeed's cart, right. and he has the wherewithal to, like, pick it up and throw it back, which is a great movie trick. It's... It's unclear to me. It's never in movies. It's never clear how long it takes a grenade to blow up. No. Sometimes it's like three seconds. Instantaneous. I was watching Die Hard 2 the other day, and they threw a dozen grenades into the cockpit of the plane. Right. And those suckers took like 30 seconds to blow up. I don't know if it's variable. Like if I think there, there, you can there's have it a fuse set on to them. a time that you want it to there's be set to. There's a fuse on them, and I don't think? know what it is. Yeah. So maybe you could have, this is a 30-second grenade, or this is a five-second grenade. Okay. I feel like if you're if you're in close combat, you don't want that shit to have a long fuse. Yeah, no doubt. You don't want, you want someone you want to have throw time it to throw it back at exactly you. like this situation. So um, at this point, he throws the grenades back. Rojas and the other guy go diving for cover. <laughs> Stanley looks up and sees a lever above him, which he pulls, and the car begins to move. I guess that's like the brake. Is it a break? On what is lever going on? The- on? Like, why <laughs> does that does that bucket have its own lever? Because it seems like at that point that the other buckets start over by Rojas, too. they start moving also and they jump in when they, it's moving. They do jump in the next bucket up and are chasing them in these and buckets he, they sliding down seem, the track. They don't seem to grab a lever and I don't even know what's happening. It's but, crazy. So I'm confused by the mechanics of whatever's happening. It's We fully descended into video game mode. Even more mysterious is like, how did Mason get ahead of where they are Inexplicably. to drop out of the ceiling he, and whack a dude? If you've ever seen Hanging Tough on American Gladiators... <laughs> John Mason is swinging around the oh, arena like a like a crazy person, unseen, undetected. A ninja. How fast would he have had to been moving to get to that moving? He was cart? below. So he was last time we saw him. He was below the tracks. He swung up. He's up a above story. them and a hundred feet further. He's, he yeah. swung up thirty or forty feet, and then also at least a hundred feet, like 
in the direction of the carts moving anyway. He, like, he brained uh, Rojas, yeah, he knocked takes, him out of the bucket. He takes out Rojas and begins fighting with the last bad guy who we never really knew. The bad <laughs> guy gets the upper you. hand. <laughs> we, we hardly knew you, York, not Horatio. But good speed, shoots him dead, sort of aggressively, like unloads on him. Like I feel like it's sort of, it's Stanley's moment of like, he's getting his first kill and like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna unload, I'm gonna like, it was a moment, clip. I, I, I got the impression Goodspeed like took no pleasure from yeah. doing this. He actually, it looked like Nick, Nick Cage was crying. He had a tear. Yeah, it looked like he was crying in that. I don't scene. think he signed up to want to kill people. Agreed. He's like here to save lives. Agreed. Um, it looks like from the look on Sean Connery's face that Mason is more grateful than impressed. But he says, "I'm rather glad you didn't hesitate too long." Yeah. And then when Stanley asks what what amounts to the question, like, "How do you do this? How do you get used to this?" Um, Mason says, oh, I was trained by the best British intelligence. Mm, Bond. James Bond. I love that. Mason. John it's, Mason. It's so sweet. Because in retrospect, I'd have rather been a poet or a farmer. <laughs> that, sounds like you, that sounds like yours. I love Stanley's just saying, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, okay. He would have rather have a, a peaceful pastoral life. I love that's, that. That's the way that all uh, all generals should be. So anyway, we cut to the Pentagon. Eight, eight hours. <laughs> sure to, we do. Eight hours to deadline. Um, apparently the president will be arriving in three hours. Which makes me wonder, where the, has the president been all this time? Maybe um, overseas fun, or fundraising something. Fundraising dinner. It's, oh yeah, it is, it's a month to the election. I was about to say, he's, he's fundraising. He is in Georgia <laughs> on the campaign trail, <laughs> my friend. Be. Uh the plan is to string Hummel along until they can do a the thermite plasma airstrike. So it's basically Operation Warp Speed, but for weapons. Yeah, they're like, just fucking pull out all the stops. We yeah. got to get this shit working. So back at Alcatraz, Hummel has pulled one of the hostages from the cells, and he is threatening to execute this poor bastard if whoever these Navy SEALs that are not giving up surrender and return the guidance ships from the rockets. So correct. We see down in the bowels because he's like, oh man, I don't want to do this. He like, he's like takes pulling, a handful of chips out, yeah, of, his out of his pocket. And I love like Mason like just grabs and throws them on the ground. It's like stomping on them. Yeah, I love that is an amazing moment. It's like we are not giving in these chips. That's yeah, not an option. That that option is no longer on the table. Like and that's a soldier's I think perspective is like Whatever. If we die, if the 80 hostages die, they're not getting these guidance ships back. It's very much Occam's razor. Like, what's what's the simplest solution at this point? So Mason tells Goodspeed, you go find the last three rockets, and I'm going to go stall Hummel. Yes. <laughs> and Goodspeed's like, but what about the hostage's head? And like Mason turns out and gives thumbs up and, and okay. Goodspeed's like, okay, what's that mean? So And then he just like vanishes into yeah, the mist. It's I love amazing. It. I love how he, he he like keeps pulling Houdini stunts throughout this whole section. So yeah, Mason walks in like he owns the place. Um the hostages he's gesturing just walking to down him. Like, he's like walking down that Broadway. Yeah. Whatever. And all the hostages are like just looking at him like, who well, is they're this sort of guy? like gesturing like help us and i'm like I, they, nah. they don't know who he is that seems unlikely but whatever <laughs> um good speed meanwhile elsewhere he finds the rocket and starts to climb up to he go did, to it it was just dumb luck that he found it right yeah, he looked like, up oh, and saw there it, it is it's right Bing, above me bingo so um hummel questions mason sean connery about yeah. who he is and he's, well, he's like, like i've like, been I'm in the service last, a long I'm the time i'm the last man standing basically yeah. he's like i'm all this left 
And uh, and how did you come to be involved in this? Mason informs him that he was uh, uh, John John S. Mason, Captain Her Majesty's Secret Service General Sir. Uh, he and, was uh, Her and Majesty's I was formerly... Royal. I think it was Royal Army. Yeah, he, did he, he say? You know, he says he says you're a long way from home, sailor. sailor. He says, "Well, I was John S. John S. Mason, Captain Army, actually, and then like or yeah. whatever his thing is, but." says that I was brought in because I was formerly a guest on this island. A guest. <laughs> His choice <laughs> of wording is, it, yeah. is so awesome. Uh, we see Goodspeed getting the chip out of the rocket <laughs> as some more of the unprobable, improbable things of the movie happen. Some like bad suits, like Spider-Man down. They're coming out head first like fucking uh, Harry Tasker style. Yeah. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> I love that. Though. that dude. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> and they begin like hunting him, like knocking him down, knocking him through walls. I and, like, love looking the for other him. dude. It's like, it's like, come back here, little boy. Oh man, it's <laughs> awesome. They're like talking all sorts of crazy oh, yeah. shit. Uh, we cut to Mason pissing all over Hummel's plan, <laughs> saying there's no honor in killing innocent civilians. I love this. He's like, I don't quite see how you cherish the memory of the dead by killing another million. Mm. And this is not combat. It's an act of lunacy. So, General there's like the feeling that these are two like philosophical men having a debate. I love it. Um, and I think they're both like well-educated. Definitely. Men. There was, I think in the, in the, I overheard one of the guys saying like, this scene used to be a lot more, there used to be a lot more talk between the two really, and talking more about like philosophy. But I think it was basically pared down to just, you know, humble talking about the tree of Liberty must be refreshed by the blood of tyrants. And then Tom uh, Jefferson. And then, what hum, or uh, and then Mason patriotism is, is a virtue of the vicious. Wild. So I I think you get the point, you get the gist. Yeah, that they're gonna bat, they battle the wits all day long. They're having like a battle of wits almost. Yeah, it's amazing. And we've gotten the impression I think that Hummel is a well ex, well educated man. He probably went to Naval Academy and yep. and was trained in all of this type of yeah, stuff and sure. history and philosophy and all that shit. I do like the line from Oscar Wilde though: "Patriotism is a virtue of the vicious." Thank you for proving my point. Yeah, he, he like like Hummel knocks him to the ground, him with the butt of the rifle or something. Yeah, so Hummel gets fed up with this whole conversation, which is great. <laughs> like, well, I think I, he was losing the debate. Yeah, I would love, I would love to. I'd need to go back and listen to it if it's not given in the commentary. But I would love to listen to Ed Harris opine about his like sharing screen time with Sean Connery. Oh, it has to be a dream. Well, they had scenes together in Just Cause. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I think he said, oh, we had worked together before, and like I really liked working with Connery. Like He was such a generous actor and all this type of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. it must Can be you awesome imagine? to work with a living legend like, God. and not fucking Marlon Brando, who's gone batshit crazy, and he's a shell of himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's oh, amazing. Oh, man, amazing. So, but I will say Ed Harris holding his own. Oh, this scene he's is amazing. A, he's it's awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Like the 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 smile that he gives when Connery's like when he says, "Personally, I think you're a fucking, I think you're a fucking idiot." I think all the other soldiers are looking at each yeah, other like, like, "Oh, oh shit!" shit. Yeah, he's trying to make off. him. He's trying to make him look bad in front of his own men, and he smiles. And, I think it's the, like a thing of from uh, Hummel of like, "You've got my number." Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. hum, Hummel gets fed up with the conversation, demands the guidance ships, which Mason says, I've destroyed them. Um, Hummel seems ready to shoot Mason when we hear gunfire break out between Stanley Goodspeed and the Yeah, he pulls that gun others. out, and he's like, oh, does that mean you're going to kill oh, both of us? Oh, you're going to kill both of us? Make us look bad in front of everyone? You're going to go against your principles, I guess? Yeah. So 
The bad guys have found good speed and capture him. I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. <laughs> I love that. So I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. So we cut to 52 minutes until the deadline. <laughs> Mason and Goodspeed are locked up in cells, and, and Goodspeed just <laughs> repeating that. That's I'll weird. take pleasure in gutting you, boy. boy. <laughs> he says, I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with these people? Yeah, he's like remarking <laughs> on the craziness of their captors while Mason's like tearing up pieces of magic. He's like, don't you think there's a lot of anger flowing around the island? Kind of a pubescent volatility, a, a lot of angst, a lot of 16 angry with my father's syndrome. Like is he was like, and then he wants to hear about like how Mason dealt with being in jail alone and like right. why they put him away. But then we cut back to the Pentagon and the call comes in that the thermite plasma is ready to go. We're ready yeah, to they go. got it. Now, also at the Air Force hangar, we get the General uh, Peterson. Peterson. Or whatever, yeah, he's like Peterson. briefing, he's briefing the pilots. They're going to completely like blanket the island in this thermite plasma. It's right. going to kill the bad guys, going to kill the hostages. I was doing some research because I'm surprised I didn't know this already because I'm like a jet, a jet nut. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Air Force did not fly F-18s. What? The F-18 is only flown by the Navy and the Marines. Um, they're out in the Mojave Desert, I guess, somewhere. So I was looking at like that. Well, that makes sense because they said that all the stunt footage, the plane footage from around was San Francisco blue was the Blue Angels. Devils. Yeah, blue, blue Devils. Blue Angels, yes. Yeah. So I looked at this. F-18 goes about 12. Max speed is like about 1,200 miles an hour. And it would take them Slick-ish. then from Mojave to. I looked this up. There's like actually a. In the Mojave Desert, there's like a naval weapons center where they test experimental weapons and fighters. That's amazing. Stuff. So I'm guessing like this must be where the thermite plasma is being developed. It's about it'd be about a 20 minute flight. So if they've got 50 minutes to the deadline or thereabouts, they've got time to do it. Yet they they're in no rush. It seems like to actually green light the attack that comes into play later. Yeah, but I'm just wondering like. Oh, it's, they should have been ready to go. Like the second that plasma was ready to go, it's on a plane and we're taking off. Do you, I mean, is, is the fact that Mason's there Unless with whatever they're still intel like and they're like, we're going to try to negotiate our way out of this thing. I guess maybe. I don't know, but they should have at least been on standby, like ready with the fucking engines running. So if you weren't thinking that this was going to happen, here's what was going to happen. Come back to Alcatraz. Goodspeed wants to know why Mason didn't just give up the microfilm which we have surmised that he was given from previous conversations when he was captured. Mason says he's sure that he would have been suicided, a verb that he says, which I said, see Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, right. He would have been, he would have been killed. If he told the truth, his life would have ended. He would have been forfeit. Um, While he's doing this, we see him like swinging a handmade rope with what looks like the wheel off of a gurney or something at one end for weight. That, that did look like a wheel. I bet he took it off the bottom of the cot or something yeah. like that. So Goodspeed's like <laughs> going bonkers in his cell. He's like <laughs> listing the ways that Mason got out of prison like afterward. Like, yeah, he's like you, you went through this, this you did this, you did this. But how in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell? <laughs> um, I only ask because in our current situation, that might be useful information. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> And it was when you hear Cage say, I try to deliver it with like a musical rhythm. You can hear it when you 
with that knowledge and you listen to then his delivery, you're like, oh, yeah, he's got a rhythm in his speech. He's got a rhythm in his speech, and he also has – he is um, intentional in the pitch that he delivers things. Like there's there's a cadence of yeah, up yeah. and down, up and down, and it's up like and down. He said it was and like he you're hitting things. notes. Yeah, it exactly. was how he described. You're hitting I, notes. I love it. I think that it's a great way to look at things. It's at that moment. Butthole is a very strange. Which phrase. apparently was also another improvised thing. I think yeah, there was like a lot of debate on the set of should he say this or not? Is it too much? Is it not enough? Anyway, I think it's perfect for a nerd like this. <laughs> Zeus's butthole. I mean, because don't you think that like later on in like Anchorman. Great Odin's Raven, like those things. <laughs> yes. Like, Nick Cage probably spawned a, a, a generation of comedy. <laughs> anyway, um, it's just, just then that Mason manages to open his own cell. Then we see Stanley's cell door swing open. Yeah. And as Mason walks by a stunned Stanley, he says, Trade secrets, my son. Yeah, he's like, wow. That's, that's pretty badass. <laughs> that's awesome. Dude, that chapter flew right by. I how, love it. How do you feel about it? I fucking love it, dude. Pretty I love great. every minute of it. I'm ready to see how this shit ends. I, I want to watch it again before we do. It's so good. <laughs> and I hope you all do, too, because this movie fucks hard. <laughs> fucks long. In the parlance of our time. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man, this is, this is great fun. Uh, yes, it will be back. Yeah.